We acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, the gathering grounds of many diverse First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples, whose footsteps have marked this land and whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. Hello and welcome back to Research Recasted, the knowledge mobilization podcast. I'm Brooklyn Lestrician and I'm here with Natalie Smattis. Hey, how's it going? In today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Craig Kaczynski. Dr. Craig Kaczynski is an Associate Vice President, Research at McEwen University in Edmonton, Alberta. He's an experienced teacher, researcher, and administrator. He has developed and taught undergraduate and graduate courses and has an extensive record of student supervision at all levels. Prior to joining McEwen in 2019 as AVPR, Dr. Kaczynski spent 12 years at the Telfer School of Management at the University of Ottawa, where he held academic and administrative positions. At University of Ottawa 2013, Dr. Kaczynski was awarded the Early Career Researcher of the Year Award in the Social Sciences and Humanities. From 2016-2019, he was inaugural University of Ottawa Research Chair in Healthcare Innovation. As AVPR at McEwen, Dr. Kaczynski leads the growth and development of McEwen's research ecosystems. This includes developing institutional-level plans for scholarship and working with faculties and schools to grow their research capacity. As AVPR, he also has executive oversight of McEwen's International and McEwen's Careers and Experience Office. Dr. Kaczynski research focuses on systems approaches for better design, information, and communication technology (ICT) to support different contexts of collaboration, healthcare delivery. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. We're very excited to have you today, especially as a research podcast and you're being Associate Vice President of Research. I think we want to talk about uh, McEwen and research at McEwen. Can you tell us a little bit about your position as Associate Vice President of Research? Sure. So as the introduction kind of described, um, I oversee what I call the research ecosystem across campus. So in each individual faculty or school, um, they often have a research committee, they've got faculty members and students that are doing research and you know, in different disciplines, in different areas. And what my office does is we're kind of the central entity that tries to coordinate all of these various efforts across campus. So for example, I may be out in the community and they may express an interest in doing research in a certain area. So what I'll do is, I'll come back in with that community opportunity. Um, I'll try and look across the campus, see where there may be faculty members that might have an interest or a good fit with that opportunity. And I'll try and do a bit of matchmaking. So that's kind of one of the key things we do. Another thing that my office does is we try and look for funding opportunities for faculty members to do research because there's uh, oh, there's a lot of different opportunities to apply for research grants, government contracts, you know, for all aspects of research. So we also try and take a good look across the funding landscape, and then the same thing, try and do some matchmaking depending on what people's interests are and and what their abilities are and things like that. And then the third thing that we do is when a faculty member wants to engage in research, uh, there's a whole bunch of parts that research entails. Everything from, you know, coming up with a research program 
to you know thinking about the methodology they may want to use to try and answer answer the research questions you may have set out if you're going to do research that involves data or with uh, human or animal participants uh, you need research ethics my office oversees both the human and animal research ethics components of McEwen University's research system and then we also do things like if a faculty member wants to hire a student as a research assistant my office also does all of that work so we kind of help to find opportunities for research a lot of what we do is kind of an integrator role, but we also help with the management of a faculty member's research program. Do people come to you with research that they would like to do personally, or is it mostly like community-based, what our community needs and what research the city needs? Uh, that's a good question. It's a bit of a mix because most people, when they get hired as a faculty member or when they may come to us from another university, they've normally already got a research program. So they have an area that they're interested in. In those instances, they may come to us looking for community partners. They may come to us looking for funding. And then again, we'll try and do some of that matchmaking. But we do get, you know, from time to time, faculty members that will come wanting to do research in a certain area. You know, they may have questions about how to get started. You know, do we know of uh, a community partner, an industry partner that may be a good fit with helping them to pursue that area? Do we know of a funding opportunity to do research in that area? Or do we know of other institutions that we may be able to try and connect them against? So again, it's that matchmaking role. So what you're saying is you set researchers up for success. That's a mm-hmm. perfect way to frame it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I've always been curious, too, what are the differences between McEwen's research department and U of A, for example? Because I know most of the profs are doing kind of like a dissertation, or how does that kind of work? The main difference between our research office and U of A is probably just size. Um, Mm. You know, we will do the same things as they will do. We just have a much smaller scale. Mm. And in terms of the research we do, because we're an undergraduate university, you know, we really pursue a heavy agenda of undergraduate scholarship. You know, we, we really want our undergraduates to get every opportunity they can to get involved in research. It's part of helping them better bridge what they learn in the classroom, because mm-hmm. I think the bridging of, of teaching and research is a really important thing that McEwen does really well. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people think research and teaching are misaligned because they're, they're two separate things, but I actually see them as very complementary to one another. Mm-hmm. As a teacher, because, you know, I both taught and done research, I actually think good teachers make better researchers and good researchers make better teachers. Mm-hmm. Because it just it makes you more inspired in the classroom. You might get an opportunity to bring your specific research into your teaching. And students really seem to like that. Mm-hmm. I think it just better connects them to what's happening in society. And they actually they get a chance to, to I think, feel something really solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to just getting an example out of a textbook. I find it much more meaningful to be able to pull an example that you know myself or maybe one of my colleagues might have actually done you know, down the street from the university. Well, even with doing this podcast, we talk to lots of profs and lots of researchers. And the number one thing lots of them say is how they wouldn't be able to do this without the students. And that's really nice to hear. Yeah. I want to talk about McEwen's tactical plan for scholarship. Can you explain a little bit what this plan is and what it kind of looks like going forward? Certainly. So 
every university has some type of a plan for research, um, you know, whether they call it a tactical plan or a strategic plan or a plan for scholarship or whatever. Um, and I mean, I like to have a plan because that helps us to know where we're going mm-hmm. and how we want to get there. And more importantly, how do we know that we've hit success for some of the things we've laid out in the plan? McEwen had a plan for scholarship that finished in about 2019. And I started that fall, mm-hmm. uh, September 2019, and we purposely didn't pursue updating or a new plan for scholarship because at the same time we were in the search for the new president and when the new president comes in a lot of times you know they want to bring in their own strategic vision for the institution and I couldn't have the research plan ahead of the institutional plan Mm. so part of the reason the tactical plan was just approved this past spring was we were waiting for the strategic vision to come on board and it came on board you know got approved anonymously in the fall of 2021 and then that was about the time that my office started taking the steps to develop a tactical plan for scholarship and, you know, as I said, it's really kind of our roadmap as to where we want to go. A lot of the things in the tactical plan, you know, growing our student research system, better identifying and engaging with community partners so it can be a mutual beneficial win-win for both us and the community partner, building mentorship programs for early career researchers, you know, wanting to think about more innovative ways for knowledge mobilization, you know, kind of like podcast Mm -hmm, series. mm -hmm. You know, my office was doing a lot of those things. But, you know, I I think you need to have a formal plan just Mm -hmm. to make sure that the institution essentially is signing off on what we're doing. And I think it also helps to bring people on board. Because in in developing the tactical plan, uh, I went around to the faculty or school councils at all faculties and schools across the institution to, you know, get feedback from faculty members and staff members um, about what we were proposing to do. So a lot of what's in the tactical plan, it really represents the voices and the thoughts and the perspectives and maybe the ambitions too of the faculty members and, and the other staff and colleagues across the institution. So I, you know, I really see it as it very much is our plan. How do you kind of see it going in the next five years per se? Like what will the benefits be or what will that look like for students? Um, well, I think for students, I think there's two aspects to it, because as I said, really, I think formalizing our student-engaged scholarship system is a big part of the tactical plan. So my hope is that um, we'll have a really good system where if a student is interested in doing research, they'll know where to go to get started, because, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've heard sometimes, you know, student may want to do research, but they don't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, I've heard about faculty members that might have funding or they might have an idea and they want to engage a student in their research, but they have trouble getting a student to do mm-hmm. it. So my hope is that some of those logistical issues will um, will go away over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the other opportunity for students is a big part of the tactical plan. There, there's kind of a a piece towards the back of it that's an implementation plan that has a series of metrics. And what these metrics are meant to do is is help us understand how well we're doing at achieving the goals in the tactical plan. And I think, you know, to try and grow student-engaged scholarship, you know, it's a pretty broad statement. There's probably a lot of ways I can measure it, but what I'm really hoping the tactical plan will help us to do is to think about what metrics can we come up with that are meaningful, that actually demonstrate impact. So, I mean, ideally, you know, we want to be able to show that a student that comes into McEwen, you know, goes to class, does some research as part of that, uh, you know, graduates just with a different perspective on society, mm-hmm. different perspective on problems. Kind of they look at the world a little bit differently, and ideally that will best position them for success after graduation in a pretty complex mm-hmm. world. 
where would a student go? Like, do they pitch ideas for research or where would they go to begin their research? <laughs> That's also a very good question. That's kind of one of the logistical questions that we're hoping to get figured mm-hmm. out with the implementation of the tactical plan. I mean, Probably the most common place that a student will engage in, at least start to engage in research, is through a faculty member. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll approach their professor after class, you know, during office hours. That's likely the most common place. And then through the prof, they would figure out funding, or would that be something that your office would do? It probably is both. I mean, Mm -hmm. if a faculty member happens to already have funding, sometimes you get a really Mm -hmm. nice connection like that, and they hit the ground running. But other times, you know, the faculty member may not have funding at that moment, and that's probably when they would come to our office. So for any students listening, it's not you going out and looking for funding. I'm sure they can, but there's a plan set up for anyone who wants to start research. Yeah, you, yeah. you, you want to start with, I mean, the first thing I think you want to have is an idea of what interests you. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was something a faculty member may have said during a lecture, that, wow, that's really interesting. You know, you may have read something in the news or saw something, you know, on the internet that, wow, you know, healthcare, healthcare is a big problem. You know, I've read a lot about wait times to get into the emergency mm-hmm. department, wait times for surgeries. Um, a student might be interested in looking at how can we put solutions in place to try and address wait times. And, and that may start your interest. And then from mm-hmm. that, you may be in a, in a course or a lecture where the topic is health. And that that's kind of how you start doing this. Like it's not a linear path. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tends to be a little bit of a diverse journey. Yeah. <laughs> And then going forward, what happens once the research is completed? There's a lot of things that can happen. Like certainly a lot of students that do research with faculty members in McEwen, you know, they might end up on a research publication. Mm -hmm. So they publish a paper and the student's one of the co-authors on the paper. And, you know, as a student, period, that's a pretty prestigious thing. To be an undergraduate student, you know, with your name on a research paper, Mm -hmm. uh, that's really exciting. You know, I, I think that would be something that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. Um, you know, we've had students on the podcast here that gives them a chance to, you know, talk about the research they did and why it was interesting and what they learned and why it was exciting. That's another way. We've also got a day that we have, it's usually the last Thursday in April, right after final exams, uh, called Student Research Day, where students from across the academy can essentially submit a proposal to do either a poster or an oral presentation to present the research that they did as a student. Oh, and, that, nice. that's, and Student Research Day is probably our biggest day of the year in terms of um, knowledge mobilization for student-engaged scholarship. I do believe, too, there's a book, a student research book that McEwen published. We publish a book of the abstracts from Student mm-hmm. Research Day. So, you know, you're able to go in and kind of just scroll through all the uh, exciting scholarship that students did over that course of that year. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the evolution of scholar activity and McEwen's place in the Canadian research ecosystem. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. That's a very loaded question, but I mean, you know, McKinnon's doing scholarship for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know the exact date, but it actually happened before we be formally became a university in 2009. You know, we had people doing scholarship back in the early 2000s and probably back even into the 90s. So we've been doing it for a while. And one of the things that I think McEwen does really well is we do community-engaged scholarship. 
uh, where you know the research questions that we may be trying to answer come through collaboration and co-design and exchange with community partners. And I think that's always been a strength of McEwen. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really one of the things that attracted me to McEwen. You know, in in my role was that I really liked our, our place in community. You know, we're in the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not afraid to go and tackle the the pressing problems. You know, currently transit safety or you know downtown safety in Edmonton. You know. We try and crack some of those problems to, uh, you know, hopefully make a better world for all. What do you see the most need for research in the city? It, it, well, it partially depends on what group I'm talking mm. with. So, for instance, you know, we had a meeting with the city of Edmonton last week, and I think they're very interested, obviously, in downtown revitalization. Mm. Um, you know, how we can look at trying to understand and hopefully come up with solutions for some of the safety issues downtown getting business revitalization in downtown, Mm. um, you know, that's certainly an issue. So it it really depends what groups we're talking to. You know, Mm. we've been working with um, some community partners kind of on the periphery of Edmonton, you know, like Sturgeon County. Mm -hmm. They're interested in issues around supply chains and energy. And Mm. so, you know, it it really depends what group we're talking to. I mean, you know, I think we all share a common goal of wanting to make Edmonton a better place and, you know, wanting it to be a, a place of prosperity for everyone. Everyone, but we all have different perspectives on, you know, how we get to this point of prosperity. And I think in order to try and solve these complex problems, I think we need new ways of thinking about how we go about tackling them. You know, this is where I think McEwen can have a real strength because I think interdisciplinary research, um, where we do it across disciplines as opposed to just one discipline trying to solve a problem, um, is something that I think we're going to see a lot of in the forthcoming years I think it's it's good, though, that you all are collaborating with the city to work on some of those issues, though. I think that's, that's super, super cool. I see our role as an integrator. Like, I see my role as Associate Vice President of Research as really being an integrator. You know, I try to look at these different pieces, the funding piece, the research question piece, the community piece, the faculty member interest piece, and I, I try and find the secret sauce to bring all those things together to um, uh, create opportunities mm-hmm. for scholarship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that I'm trying to find ways to enable is what I call a living lab mentality, where, you know, McEwen is, is a living lab for, you know, the problems that, that are out there in society, be it health problems, economic problems, social problems, you know, we'd love nothing more than community partners that have these issues to be able to come into McEwen, work with some combination of students and faculty, and, you know, both come up with a bit of ideation around, Mm -hmm. you know, what does this problem mean and what are potential solutions to it, but also to be able to prototype potential solutions to try and address these problems. Mm -hmm. Because I think that ultimately generates evidence, and evidence should be the, the bedrock or the, the foundation of policy development and how we actually try and implement solutions to problems. What are some of the resources in McEwen? Do we have labs or what do those kind of areas look like? You know, the resource really depends on what the research requires. You know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of different types of facilities that we can use, you know, in this living lab mentality. So, mm-hmm. for instance, you know, sometimes, you know, a classroom space is a good opportunity if you want to do a focus group or just hold a, a brainstorming session. Um, you know, I've done a few of those with some community partners to try and identify what some of their challenges are. You know, we need a classroom with a whiteboard and an overhead projector, and those are all the tools we need for that. If things get more 
more complicated. They progress a little bit more. You know, we've got a fish lab with zebrafish, which, of course, Dr. Trevor Hamilton, I know, spoke about uh, very eloquently uh, about a year ago. You know, if you want to do research in that area, we've got spaces like Roundhouse and the Social Innovation Institute that um, are really good venues for bringing in larger groups of community partners. If you want to do uh, some needs assessment and have a bigger conversation, you know, we've got recording studios like mm -hmm. this. If a community partner is trying to, to promote awareness around a cause or trying to get better knowledge mobilization of something they've already done. So you know, the spaces to try and conduct research really depends on the problem that you're trying to study. Do you see changes with courses going forward with additional research courses going out to different programs? I mean, you certainly see some integration of research into courses now because, you know, faculty members, if they're doing research, they'll bring in ideally some aspect of a study mm -hmm. they may be doing as part of complementing, you know, what they teach their students. Um, faculty members, you know, a lot of times bring in guest speakers that they may know who may or may not also kind of be doing research on an area. We do have some courses on research methodologies. So you can take a course on, you know, how do you do quantitative research or how do you do qualitative types of research? Um, so, you know, courses on research methodologies are probably the closest thing that we have to, you know, an actual course on research. Is there any plans on doing more courses like that in the future or? Well, I mean, because I don't actually oversee a faculty mm. or school, I don't have a direct influence oh, on, the, on the curriculum. But <laughs> I mean, I, I would certainly love to see more courses that, you know, have some element of teaching about research in it, because I think it's a good way to demystify research a little bit because mm -hmm. I think you know as a student and I think even as a you know just a member of society research can a lot of times be a bit of a, a black box mm -hmm. yeah I know for me like any any mention of research I'm like oh I don't want to do that <laughs> like it's too daunting like it's too overwhelming but like I'm sure if I knew the methodology of it and like knew more about it then it wouldn't be so bad but yeah mm -hmm. you kind of get used to it doing papers doing essays, reading all the research, yeah. Do you want to talk to us a bit about your previous research? Uh, sure. So my research is in an area called health systems, mm -hmm. um, where I look at healthcare kind of not as any one entity, but really as a series of interrelated concepts. So, you know, within health systems, you've got human resources and you've got finance and you have information and communication technologies and you've got policies and the health system kind of works with all these different concepts, you know, in a nice system of flow and they bump off each other. And what I study really is the interaction of these different system components with each other. Uh, because, you know, in a system with constrained resources like healthcare, if you change one part of the system, it will impact other parts of the system. And that's where things can get interesting because if you you know take money out of one area to put money into another area there's less money for the yep. first area. you know sometimes that can be a bit controversial and as we try and put new policies in place you know trying to look at how we can better leverage things like community-based care and telemedicine and technologies like that um, sometimes when these system concepts bump into each other it creates unintended consequences and and some of these consequences are good, and sometimes they can be negative unintended consequences. So what my work does is I really try and look at those interactions to, to make sure that as we make changes into a health system and we try new policies or we try introducing new technologies, that it works as smoothly as possible. 
Yeah, for sure. I was telling you a bit before, but my mom does the same kind of thing. And so her whole life has been changing policies and change how people maneuver through their health system. Has your work been applied to any certain care-based facilities or? Um, it's been applied to a few, like um, back about 10 years ago, I was doing a fair amount of work in, in palliative care. That was actually the, the topic of my doctoral thesis. So when I started at the University of Ottawa, I was still doing work in palliative care. So while I was at the University of Ottawa, um, I did some work with some colleagues in the Faculty of Engineering. We, we actually developed a basically a patient charting system for palliative care that actually got used in, in one of the local hospitals for a while. So that was that was pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's probably the most exciting thing about research is when it's applied to. Yeah. You know, when you do do a study, and actually I did some work with some colleagues and some students in the Northwest Territories um, just about three or four years ago, and I think some of the outcomes from the work we did is kind of being used to look at policies actually for how they schedule um, colorectal examinations and, and screenings. So you're right. It's really neat when you do something and then you see it being used mm -hmm. because you know at that moment, you know, like from my research, that th this may actually impact patients' lives. Mm -hmm. uh, it may, you know help patients to better be able to engage and get access to the health system. It may help providers trying to diagnose and manage these patients. And that, that's ultimately what we want to do. You know, we just, we want to make the system better. What made you do the switch to being in this position now? So I was actually born in Edmonton. Oh, okay. So I did uh, two undergrad degrees uh, across the river at the University of Alberta. Mm -hmm. And I went to Victoria shortly thereafter to do my doctorate in health information science. And then from Victoria, I went to the University of Ottawa and was hired there as an assistant professor and you know, went through the professorial ranks and spent some time as the research chair in healthcare innovation. But you know, most of my family was still in the West. And my wife is actually from Victoria, BC. Mm -hmm. And we really just kind of wanted to get back closer to family and closer to home. So when, you know, this opportunity got put in front of me, you know, I looked at it and, you know, I took it home and talked to my wife and I was like, yeah, this actually looks like it could be a really good opportunity. I, I also liked the role because, you know, I'd spent a lot of time doing research on my own and a lot of time teaching. And I, I liked the integration aspect of this this position. Like, you know, I looked at it, thought, you know, it's it's different. And, and I did have to give that a bit of thought because I realized you know, if I take this role, I will have less time to do, you know, teaching and research mm -hmm. that I like to do or that I want to do. But I, I really kind of like the idea of being an enabler. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've kind of always thought of myself as more of a builder. You know, I like to build things. And, you know, I looked at McEwen and thought, you know, it, it's emerging in terms of its research ecosystem. You know, it's got a really good reputation as a community-based institution. They want to grow their research and scholarly ecosystem. And it just seemed like a really good opportunity. You know, I was excited about the chance to come in and be able to, um, you know, work with colleagues across the academy at building something, building something special, in fact. Yeah, I'm very excited for the future of McEwen through research. Um, do you have any advice for students at McEwen or any of our listeners? Well, you know, I've had a few people, including students, ask me, you know, what, what's your one-liner that you'll tell people <laughs> about, you know, advice for, for doing research? And what I typically say is solve a real problem that matters. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing that. There's a lot of different ways that you can work with community. But if it's a real problem and if it matters to community, then you'll be doing something that has a meaningful impact. Yeah, that's 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 great. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, we really appreciate your presence today and also your devotion to research. <laughs> it helps us as students and helps our podcast and helps the profs we have on our podcast. So yeah, thank you for being here. Well, I mean, it's one of the uh, minds behind the start of the podcast series. Um, you know, I've watched a few recorded, but it, it was very interesting being behind the mic uh, for the opportunity. It's <laughs> You know, kind of like a physician that may invent a new kind of surgery, and now I'm actually on the table uh, <laughs> getting, getting a trial. So, uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, that's all we have for today's episode of Research Recasted. If you want to support this podcast, you can visit Research Recasted on your favorite podcast platform to find new episodes every two weeks. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Research Recasted, where you can leave us a like, give us a follow, or send us a message if you have any further follow-up questions from today's episode. This has been Research Recasted, a knowledge mobilization podcast, brought to you by the Office of Research Services and the Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications at McEwen University. Funding for the podcast is partially provided by the Government of Canada through the Research Support Fund. Research Recasted is hosted and produced by Brooklyn Lestrigian and Natalie Smattis. Music, sound design, and editing is by Natalie Smattis. Research, copy editing, and scripting is by Brooklyn Lestrigian, and our executive producer is Hugh McKenzie.